Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Christina Rossi, the CEO at B-Race. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's really a great honor to be here and uh, happy to exchange our experience with B-Race with the audience. Thank you very much. It's always a, a pleasure because it's 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 becoming a, an habit this year to have women CEOs on the show, <laughs> which I, which I'm super happy to to see that happen to have a better uh, gender balance. And we also have a lot of cities represented in the show uh, this year. And this time is is the is the time of Zurich. You are from uh, Italy, but but yeah. living for a very long time in, in Zurich and uh, and your company is also based in in Zurich. But for the ones who didn't have the the chance to to get to know you, Christina, uh, share with us a little bit about, about your story. Uh, I think it's super interesting and super inspiring for others that are coming from your background that are thinking about uh, starting their own ventures. Yeah. Yeah, sure. With pleasure. As you said, I come from Italy. I studied in Italy physics, but uh, I always worked in radiology as a, a data analyst. And uh, during my academic career, I moved from Italy to Germany, where I did my PhD, and then from Germany to Zurich, where I found a very constructive uh, and productive area of activities at the University Hospital of Zurich. And uh, there, uh, I met the other two co-founders of uh, B-Race, uh, uh, Dr. Alexander Kiritsis, which is now co-founder and CTO of the company, and Professor Andreas Boss, which is the medical advisor and, uh, and co-founder of B-Race. And, and um, there, working in our uh, clinical studies, we thought, okay, we have this great idea. We have the possibility of improving the journey of patients in breast cancer. Now let's take the courage and start this, uh, this venture and adventure. And so B-Race was born uh, really at the University Hospital of Zurich and we are a spin-off of the, of the University Hospital of Zurich. Awesome. And uh, tell us more about uh, B-Rays, uh, how, uh, how the product works, uh, what is kind of the business model, how is it evolving, where are you? Uh, a lot of questions, but just an overview uh, yeah. about, about where you are and, uh, and what you do at the moment with B-Rays. Yeah, sure. A great pleasure. So um, basically, B-Rays has the ambition of building a digital platform that supports the journey of breast cancer patients in radiology now, but with the ambition of uh, covering the whole journey. So involving the gynecologist, the oncologist, the pathologist. So that this journey, which is now so much segmented, gets unified and support within this digital platform. Um, now in radiology, uh, the journey of the breast cancer patient is already extremely complex because generally when you have a, a disease, you also have a gold standard in radiology. So you use this technique, which may be MRI or ultrasound or CT mm -hmm. to diagnose the status and then to follow up also the therapies or the response to therapy in patients. In the case of breast cancer, this is much more complex. So you have different modalities, a, a large spectrum of modalities that needs to be used uh, in the right way according to the specific characteristic of the patients and according to the stage in which the patient is during this journey. This complexity um, cause the needs or, or rises the needs of having uh, of eliminating the segmentations and uh, the um, variability in the decision when it is or which step at, at which time point is this step necessary for the single patient. And the idea of B-Race is really to use AI, to use this extraordinary technology to build a digital workspace around this technology that allows a smooth journey and a standardized journey of the patient in radiology. So at the moment, we started with uh, early detection of breast cancer, and this involves mainly two modalities, which are the mammography or the mammographic modality. There is a certain variability there. 
and uh, the ultrasound, also the ultrasound, there are different alternatives on the market. What B-Race is doing is basically writing, building a platform. At the moment, the, the target are medical professionals and support mm -hmm. these medical professionals in clinical decisions, but also in automation of uh, tasks which are related to the understanding of the images, but are not of uh, direct diagnostic relevance. Got it. And and, um, and in terms of the business model, how, how does that work? Is, is the doctors who pay? Do you sell to clinics, hospitals, or um, what yes. is the go-to-market? Yeah. Yes, basically um, the target to the customers are radiological proxies, or mm -hmm. they can be a small one, or it can be a network of radiological proxies or screening programs. And uh, the software is um, used uh, um, in a subscription way. So it's a uh, software as a service. And um, uh, there are different models in which the software can be priced or can be put on the market according mm -hmm. to the profile of the, of the customers. So um, basically, the best areas, in our opinion, are in our learning where to place the product is, of course, related to the uh, size of the population. This is an important factor mm -hmm. to, to uh, select the area where you want to be, but it's not the only factor. The second factor is related to the maturity of the country to accept a digitalization in healthcare. So there are some countries which are extremely advanced and already mm -hmm. have done their own work in preparing the embedding of digital solution into the workflow and other right. countries which are too much segmented or not that far, which don't have a, a, a source of money allocated for digitalization that then becomes for us less attractive at the moment. Right. But do you have uh, any specific ideal customer profile at the moment for the B-Race product? So it's more, the, it's more a B2C or a B2B uh, motion, the, the ones who pay for the product. We, we understood that the ones who use the product are the radiologists. Yes. Uh, but uh, who pays for, for the product is also the radiologist or, or the clinics or where, where they are operating uh, themselves. Yeah. Uh well, the idea um, customers are a network of radiological proxies because the, the system okay. is a system that allows you to standardize processes which are uh, deployed over a large territory. So our ideal customer are radiological networks or screening programs. And in this case, it's a B2B uh, relationship. is the right. institute which allocates money to um, uh, streamline these processes and is there where we are present, basically. Got it. And in terms of the stage of growth for the ones who are listening, uh, where are you now? I know that you have raised a, a Series A, uh, you already have uh, some, some revenue uh, in terms of headcount. Just give us an idea about where you are in terms of the, the stage of growth of the company uh, at the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we started uh, the um, commercial activity already one year ago, one and a half year ago after the certification of the product. And now we are solid present in our home market in Switzerland, but also in Norway. And, and uh, we are now expanding in those which are the European sweet spots for for digital activities in brass imaging. So we are present in the in the Nordics, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, in Germany, and uh, in Italy. And um, in terms of evolution of the company, uh, a lot is going on. Uh, of course, the, the finalization of the Series A uh, funding uh, allowed us to, to bring the company to the next level. At the beginning, the company was very much uh, a product development company, which nice. were made, making some efforts in improving the marketability of this innovative idea. And now nice. the company is becoming a business uh, activities, which is setting processes that allows us to scale 
fast because um, it's uh, it's amazing how, how fast it can get <laughs> once yeah. you you get a certain visibility and uh, uh, of course you need to work on those processes which were not a priority in the time point in which we you were developing the products or customer support marketing um, nice. all these aspects which were before less uh, less relevant that's that's a great point this 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 evolution from idea to product and then from product to to business uh, and uh, and yes if if we start to having too many seats too early it becomes impossible even from a resource uh, perspective but when the company starts to grow if we are also not focused on having a good balance between product and, and go to market uh, and technology things will not fly right so it's always a difficult balance especially when we have very limited resources uh, in the initial stages uh, of building a, a company is not a, an easy job to to decide who to hire next right <laughs> absolutely and even if you have um, i have to say even if you have formally uh, uh, an extremely precise description of the role you are looking for, then there is always the personality factor which comes together with the person. So you get this person that has uh, some technical specification, they call it this way, as we are in software area. But then you, there is the human factor. Uh, and, um, and once you're setting this new team, in my opinion, is uh, is necessary necessary to to stop a little bit and to see okay where are now our gaps? Do do we yeah. cover everything, and um, and really segment this growing of the company in a in a certain way? And uh, I have to say we have been super lucky now in getting two of the strategic figures filled with people which are really brilliant and uh, now they can help me and the, the other co-founders uh, to to really structure the operations in a further way it would have been impossible to for us to hire 25 per new person in one time the right. the company would have collapsed and uh, right. you need to to segment this uh, hiring plan in a good right. way what is the size of the team uh, today christina uh, now we are nearly 20 person and right. uh, um, not everyone is working full time so we have less uh, full time equivalent but uh, still managing 20 personalities and individuals mm -hmm. is uh, is uh, is a nicer challenge i have to say <laughs> amazing and especially given your uh, background before it, it has been quite a transformational uh, for you to to come more from an individual contributor role, an expert role, to leading teams and, and leading a company and leading a business, right? And, and the startup yeah. that is now becoming a scale up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm learning together with the people. Um, I have to say that there is something positive I, I took out of my academic background. Uh, um, not, not only the technical knowledge, because uh, now, Anyway, uh, I'm I'm too far uh, from the development front that I could be uh, a developer, but still I I, I keep this uh, proximity to the to the product. But I think what was um, a big advantage of the um, academic background is the fact that you learn to start from zero. So you have an unknown. Mm -hmm task and you need to organize your work to get this task accomplished and this was a, for sure a big, uh, a big advantage amazing and uh, walk us through a little bit the your the, the journey with with the company right so we kind of covered b-rays we covered a little bit your your background and how did you come to to found uh, b-rays so the, the company starts in December of 2019, so almost 2020, right? Almost yes. in the beginning of uh, the pandemic. Let's forget <laughs> those <laughs> those moments. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's been almost three years uh, and some months. Um, so in, in the beginning, uh, did you? Um, 
what has been the kind of the, the evolution? So did you focus more on uh, how did how, how how did the idea came uh, or come to to you? Was was it a passion of you? Was it an opportunity? Uh, a pool of ideas that you had in the institute? How has oh, been the journey question. so far until, until now? <laughs> yeah, that's a really a good question. Um, I mean, on. Um, on one side, there was uh, the long experience in the clinical front in which we saw, okay, there is, there is this uh, uh, big amount of compelling needs which are not answered by the products on the, on the market. And then on the other side, having on your hand a big potential technology where you think, oh, shall I dare it or shall I not dare it <laughs> to go for that? And um and then it came along the uh, the opportunity, so we we started to considering solving this, which was a compelling need at the University Hospital of Zurich, and developing a product around this need. And then we went out, and this was at the time in which uh, uh, I mean, for us, the pandemic was also a time in which we used a lot this time to to challenge our assumptions on the product, to to go out, to do pilot studies. Uh, so in spite of the critical time of the pandemic, it was also a time where we didn't stay uh, inactive. So fortunately, we could use uh, in a good way this time. And then getting out and actually talking with other institutions, we found out, oh, what uh, is not only the problem of the university hospital but seems to be really uh, a problem right. missing and um, and there we started to dive into the topic more and more and then explore the potential so it's not a, a point solution what we develop but it's really a business ideal idea that can scale is a, mm -hmm. is a digital space. And uh, when you start really, really diving into the problem, yeah, then you start scaling your activity. I always say we scale longitudinally. So we don't do a little bit of breast imaging and then a little bit of prostate cancer, a little bit of mm -hmm. this, because there is so much right. that we can deliver within our line of specialties. And um, and this is what what we are doing in terms uh, uh, of product. So in terms of product, there is really a huge potential in breast imaging. Um, it is one uh, of the highest regulated area in radiology. So breast mm -hmm. imaging is extremely regulated. There is a lot of quality assurance, a lot of reporting, a lot of auditing. There are several accreditations, uh, um, authorities that can, need to give uh, uh, certifications to the breast cancer units. And um, this creates opportunities, uh, uh, of course, for, for a digital solutions. So if you stuck to a superficial analysis of uh, the needs of your customer, then you are also limited in the in the value that you are delivering. And if you start diving, then you yeah. you learn that there is a lot that you can deliver. And um, at the moment, the, the journey in the terms of the product is still moving in uh, in breast uh, diagnostics, uh, which is a, a part of the journey of, of the of the patient. In... Sure. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I just, uh, I mean, in terms of product, this was uh, the evolution in terms of uh, of team and uh, business. Uh, um, well, first of all, we had the the lucky situation, which the, um, we started already as a as a tight group of co-founders. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but of course, we knew there were competencies and skills we were missing. So at the beginning, every one of us uh, was uh, a bit overtaking multiple roles, and which was necessary. And and now, in terms of uh, team structure, we we are moving from a company where everyone was doing everything, let's say in a simple way, right. in, in a company in which you are creating area of specialties. And, uh, and that's great to see how people grow within this, uh, this situation. Because you, you have the, the technical um, com composition of a, of a startup founding team. So you have the, the CEO or the business background and, uh, and, uh, and the CTO. 
the technical background and of course from uh, for elf tech you also have the the medical advisor the medical advisor is also a, a co-founder uh, of the company right uh, yes correct correct and we and the medical we are advisor is full-time as the other founders because sometimes i see in health tech companies that there is this challenge that sometimes the doctor has his own practice or his own clinic or her own clinic and might not be able to be full-time with uh yeah, with the venture right yeah, also in our case, it's not full time committed to the company. It's, also, it's always difficult if you want to have a, a, a good advice, you need to take a key opinion leader, and the key opinion leader cannot commit completely to, to right. a business. He, he needs to be close to the to the clinical front. Um, that's correct, right. but we also recognize that, and, and it's also important to understand that the view of um, of one uh, key opinion leader is, is uh, also influenced from the setting that this person um, uh, knows or, or, or and uh, medicine depends very much on different factors there are cultural factors there are economic factors so you, you ideally you should have a network of medical advisors right and um, and this is what we are uh, trying to do now with our advisory board where we have uh, radiologists from different countries and uh, we have also people coming from the industry or representative of patients that allows us to 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 Amazing. to have a brighter view on what are the needs outside the dark region where there is a certain similarity in the culture in the healthiness right. of the health system and so on. Right. So the, the advisory board is not only a medical advisory board, it's, a, it's really a, a full advisory board covering uh, different functions, different geographies, different stakeholders, uh, let's say, to to advise. And and is you who leads the, the advisory board, uh, I assume, right? Um, no, I'm in close contact with the advisory board, but the lead yeah. of the advisory board is by Professor Andreas Boss, which is the co-founder of B-Race, because we thought that... Okay. The, and the medical advisor, from, right? Yes, just and to... the medical advisor, okay, exactly. Got it. <laughs> got it. No, I was just highlighting this point because it might be very useful for other entrepreneurs out there that are thinking about starting their own health tech companies. Typically in a poor SaaS, uh, non-elf tech, it, it is typically the advice start with uh, someone from business background and uh, a very strong product and technical person on, on the other side. Uh, unless the CEO also understands product, then it's it's much more a technical person that is able to to, to ship the product and, and to work together with the CEO to, to develop the product. But then on these ventures, there is this, extra complexity that we need to have someone really understands uh healthcare and and especially the area that we are working on right so in in that sense having that medical advisor is is very important sometimes it comes the discussion should be the medical uh, just a medical advisor or also a co-founder and this if it is just a an advisor maybe the percentage would be like in any advisor 0.5 to 2% of the company. If it is more than a normal, uh, and we know that a lot of advisors are also not paid on, on, on equity and, and they love to contribute. Uh, but usually when we have a, such a very close advisor to the to the company, but when it's a co-founder of medical advice, sometimes it takes a little bit an extra chunk of equity mm -hmm. uh, of the company. That's why I was asking because I, I I know that this is a very common question for any founder that is trying to put together uh, what is the the free layer or the free legs of the founding team. And we are seeing more and more founding teams, especially in health tech, with with free legs because we need to have again the business background, the technical background, and the medical background to be able to have an initial founding team. And then of course the, the team needs to keep growing, as you said, going from generalists to uh, to more specialists as the company um, scales. But in the beginning, we need to be able to make things uh, get out of the ground just with those uh, free people, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a big challenge. So you need people which are committed to the idea. Yeah. I, I fully agree. And um, 
yeah also i think um the selection also of the people that that come into the advisory board is really um something you should do carefully because um um there are a lot of generous people out there that want to support the startup and um uh of course uh, you as a startup generally you cannot pay a fortune for an advisory right. role so you need really to find someone which believes in your idea that commits to give you this uh, help uh, um it may be in terms of uh, hours uh, not uh, not a big com commitment but it may be this uh, strategic connection or these strategic right. inputs that they give you which is a, a enormously valuable but I I would really recommend to have a a diverse board or, or a diverse network, even if you don't formalize into into an advisory board, but right. try to to have inputs from different geographical area, but also from different perspectives, especially in in med tech um i mean digital health uh, is something different than it so it's yeah. uh it's you are entering with a new generation of products into a market which is um an established market from players that are there since a long time and also the um, uh purchasing processes of the customers for example right. are shaped based on on the traditional uh, form of the of the market so for example sometimes we we hear the suggestions uh, um, you know you can do the paper use you can make it as customer friendly as possible because in other industry of the it we are used to this paper use also for the app you have on yourself and uh yes everything is great but you need to confront yourself with what is established at the side of the customers right. so are the customer really free to use the budget in the way you think it should be best used or are there some structures which exist already and okay is extremely um yeah, it's not so so flexible actually as uh, it would be the, the free market there are some rules that protect this uh, this uh, special industry, and you need to be aware of these rules. So if you don't have this knowledge, it's great to to ask an advisor that has yeah. this knowledge to to support you there. And you see, uh, this is another uh, very important question for the ones who are listening, which is: Do you see more the advisory board playing on a one-on-one? -on -one uh dynamic or do you also see that they should meet kind of three times a, a year all together uh so and and it's not one or another i i believe that you need to reach out when you have questions of course uh in a one-on-one -on -one manner but you also believe that the group component is important or it takes because again the, the founder and ceo has so many stuff to do that uh, also putting together those events it's an extra amount of, of time and energy. And, and again, we know uh, how crazy it is the life of a, of a founder CEO <laughs> that needs to manage the company in those initial stages. So sometimes I think that some founders are afraid of advisory boards because it might take some extra effort to, to stay, to, to, to keep everyone engaged and everyone happy. Uh, and uh, for the advisory board members that are listening, I would say, try to be kind to the founder and uh, yes. and to not think that the founder doesn't consider you is because the founder is trying to tackle too many fires that that sometimes there is no uh, no communication it doesn't mean that uh, the founder doesn't appreciate and uh, and sometimes it, it also doesn't mean that the founder will only uh, uh, call you when there is a problem right <laughs> but but that's how it is <laughs> oh, that's a good question no actually we try to do both as you said of course to have this uh coming together um nowadays uh it's not always to to possible to do it physically that we meet uh regularly together but we say okay at least one per year we should meet physically okay. i still think it's uh it's important because um because of two reasons because it's uh intellectually more interesting to have a, a 
a conversation also for them. It's uh, yeah. logistically easier to update them altogether. So we are at this stage now. And uh, yeah. instead of doing this one per one uh, reporting. And, uh, and the third one is really, uh, again, the one of uh, um, making the commitment and the bonding to the company stronger because they see that there are faces and there are faces of uh, experts of uh, uh, people with an excellent profile that committed to the company and this also reinforces their their own commitment and um, right. I always think it's um, you know you can um, and I know it's a challenge as you say because one never has enough time but uh, we need to create these opportunities of uh, creativity and you are not cre creative if you only do a zoom meeting and you right. focus and and discuss on a specific task the creativity yeah. is uh, fostered when uh, when you create these uh, coming together events and uh, i think it's worth spending the time and uh, and the resources to to do it and a lot of times that creativity comes uh, not in the agenda points of the event, but uh, yeah. outside in the lunch or in the dinner or in the coffee or the tea, whatever it is. Yeah. That's when those ideas come and people get excited and, and find new avenues uh, of growth. Right. Absolutely. We had one of the, our best ideas. We had uh, driving back all together from, uh, from a business meeting we were in the car six hours and then <laughs> it was uh, really a creative moment but uh, sometimes really it was funny because we had in the car we have the medical advisor me and uh, the developers so it was a, a constellation that you rarely put together uh, because you have the management meeting then you have the developers meeting but you need really to mix people to put people together and uh, and shake it and yeah. uh, and then you can harvest. <laughs> yeah, just to close kind of this chapter of uh, of the team. Um, so the, you, the evolution of the team was clear, right? So you started more with technical people, uh, both uh, product and tech and, and medical um, to help you out. And then it, you start now opening for more go-to-market positions with uh, with marketing and and sales to to start uh, moving the company from from a product to a business as we were uh, discussing mm -hmm. before correct exactly mm -hmm. cool let's go into european expansion you already uh, pointed some of the regions where you are at the moment you said Switzerland, the Nordics, uh, and you started with, with Switzerland and, and, uh, and Norway, then the Nordics, uh, Germany, uh, Italy, uh, and the Netherlands. Um, in, in the beginning, it, it might be quite difficult to open too many markets at the same time, and, and there is this importance of, uh, of focus. So mm -hmm. uh, how are you planning your European expansion? How, how is it evolving uh, with, with Big Race? Uh, also a good question. Um, I think uh, as always, you need to to do your homework. So the first homework is the one of uh, um, looking at the characteristic of the territory where you could go in and mm -hmm. um, some of the criteria for us in our specific uh, area is uh, to look if there is, for example, an established breast cancer screening program uh what is the size of this uh, breast cancer screening program this is a, a we have the big advantage that this kind of information are available publicly because they need oh. to report periodically so you know more or less what is the size of the market right. there and then you need to um to look how mature is this market for your solution mm -hmm. so there are for example in some countries, uh, um, there are some activities which have uh, uh, shown a certain maturity in digitalization of procedures in healthcare. Uh, so I don't know, there is uh, in mo most of the countries, for example, our 
a kind of product, products or our class of products is not reimbursed by the medical insurance, but there are some countries which have started some pilot uh, programs there. So it may make sense to, to take this country uh, uh, at the upside of the of the list uh, because uh, they may be smaller in terms of market, but uh, allows you to to get faster into a commercial agreement with the people. And then, of course, uh, uh, your um, how do you say this uh, competitive uh, unfair competitive advantage or score? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The if you have a network, if you have a, a way that allows you to reach uh, the most important segment of customers in this region, then you should uh, consider that. And. Um, in medical, in digital health, uh, in B2B businesses, uh, you cannot exclude the collaboration of, with key opinion leaders. So you really need right. experts that uh, use your solution, that uh, work with your solution, that present right. your solution in the congresses. So if you have this network, more present in one region, this is also another point to make this region on the top of the list. And then right. there is, uh, there is of course, uh, the big question of the logistic of the sales uh, processes. Uh, so how do you cover with a relatively small team, large territories? Mm -hmm with a product which is still a medical device. So it's not uh, a Microsoft license or something that right. you download from the internet. It's a medical device as a certain price, as a certain- Even being use. a software for the ones Even who are listening, it yeah, might yeah, yeah. be- Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Might, it's um, not an art, uh, it's not a- A physical hardware, device, right? exactly. Yeah. Even if it's a software, it's still a medical device. Uh, it requires a lot of efforts and clinical studies to get ready to the market and yeah. you are you are asking for for good money for this uh, for this uh, solution and people want to see a face behind this uh, software so and uh, how how do you manage that well there are different possibilities you have uh, the opportunity of uh, setting um, uh, a big sales force in human resources and you go directly with your sales forces uh, and uh, um, you distribute the, the product uh, directly. You have the possibility of uh, selecting a network of distributors. My recommendation there is to try to find people that have, uh, are targeting the same customers you want to target right. and go there and sell your product together with the other product they would present there. And, um, and then there is the possibility of uh, networking or, or partnershiping with industry partners which are already present at the side of the customers. So these are opportunities uh, uh, which are important to take into account. What, what is the right solution? I can't tell you. Uh, it's, uh, it depends very much on uh, where are your strengths yeah. and um, and how is uh, the regional market? You may also use different solutions for different markets. Right. And, and in terms of expansion, uh, do you think that the big dream or the big vision for the company would be to be the European leader? Or do you also think there is space to uh, expand to the US uh, being the largest uh, healthcare market in, in the world? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, the market we are addressing is a global market. North America is, of course, the the largest uh, global market. So uh, for, for sure, we have a plan to expand to to US. Um, and uh, we are already working on uh, on that. So it's, uh, it's, it's a market, I, I think is a must market for, for us. Love it. So let's let's move into uh, one of the odd topics that any founder uh, <laughs> likes to to talk about, which is uh, fundraising. I think that's <laughs> something very special about your journey is that the the Series A round. When when did you raise the, the A round, Christina? Uh, uh, it was uh, last July. 
last July. Mm -hmm. So was your first dilutive run. So you were able to get until Series A without having any uh, equity uh, rounds. So all non-dilutive uh, rounds. So how, how has been this journey? How, how has been some of the <laughs> lessons learned during this journey? I think that for the ones who are listening, I, I assume that, and we have discussed this before, it is an advantage, it is a pro and a con, right? So because there is also a lot of paperwork and, and things to mm -hmm. do and it gets a little bit slower, but at the same time, it is a luxury to get a, a Series A uh, with a very big shank of, of the company and allows you to go to the next round super comfortable to be able to to keep diluting yourself in order to raise more capital to to scale the company right yeah i mean fundraising is always fun <laughs> as everyone knows <laughs> it's uh well, overwhelming it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Not> the truth <laughs> I, i'm looking forward to the next fundraising round <laughs> i can't <Exactly>. wait <laughs> Uh, well, um, I think it was a bit special in our case also because um, we had this uh, strong academic background and uh, and the fact that we were we are a spin-off of the University Hospital of Zurich allowed us to make use of some uh, incubation programs which are really meant to push innovation out of the academia. So if you are fitting to the same profile as we have, uh, do it because it's uh, it's really as you said, Mark. Uh, Mike is a is a is a is a luxury. Um, and if you have uh, an academic background, you're also quite uh, uh, you have uh, some exercise in fundraising because you always write grants for for your uh, research activities. So use it if you have these resources. Don't don't put it on the side just because everyone tells you that you need to jump or, or something crazy in this direction. I make use of that. Um, what is the advantage? The advantage is clear. So you have non-dilutive funds. Uh, you don't have uh, um, investors to report. You have a certain freedom. And uh, um, the disadvantages are different, I would say. There is the disadvantage of uh, reporting. Uh, there is the disadvantage that is not sure that you get the money so you um, you are a bit limited in the capability of planning and um, the third big disadvantage is that generally you get these funds uh, mostly for product development so you cannot uh, hire uh, business figures on this kind of money generally so it's, a, it's very good for product development or for doing clinical studies or for clinical investigations even usability you can partially cover it with this money but then uh, you cannot hire a director sales or, or marketing person we did it uh, by um, using both possibilities uh, also we added the first revenues which allowed us uh, to to take some different profiles or to have this uh, cash that you need, I don't know, for marketing mm -hmm. material, for registering for a Congress, uh, all these kind of things, you need to pay cash, you can pay with these grants. But um, I think it's it's also, um, well, of course, we, we are in Switzerland, and Switzerland is a place to be for innovation, because there is yeah. a, a certain number of these, uh, of these uh, foundations. Super yeah. strong, right? Yes, it's super strong. And um, and the second point, which is also an advantage, is that these kind of foundations make a sort of uh, triage of uh, of the startup. So it's a, it's a sort of a quality label if you made it right. to some foundations, and this helps you to 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 approach other the other segment of investors yeah. that you want to get at a certain time point. Right. And how has been this? Now I'm thinking this mindset shift. So first you need to be much more, you are more comfortable because you know what you need to do on those grants and on those reports, what you need to show. And then you start talking with uh, another kind of human beings who have a different way of thinking about investment, right? So you need to get to learn all the fundraising jargon to put together uh, <laughs> a deck with a uh, with time, with a problem solution, <clears throat> with a... Uh, 
with differentiation, with of course the the team, uh, the the product vision, the product direction, the the why now. Uh, I'm just thinking about the different components that we need to <laughs> include in the deck. So it, it's a different language, and uh, it might have been a, a source of immense learning for for you during the process, right? Yeah, I, I would love to be able to say that it was easy, but it was not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we did mistakes, I did mistakes, uh, I regret now, but uh, um, I mean, without going through this process, we would not be where we are at the moment. So I, I always think, okay, even if it was a, a, a situation you would have preferred not to experience in your life, this makes you to a better person for, for the next possibility. So as you yeah. said, for example, at the beginning, we were, um, I don't know how many versions of my pitch deck I have, <laughs> two billions probably. And uh, yeah. if I look at the first one, I, I get uh, horrible <laughs> feedbacks because uh, uh, feelings, because it was a really an academic pitch, yes. uh, an academic presentation. You present uh, your <laughs> aim, right. your materials and methods and your potentials. And uh, when you start talking with investors, of course, they um, they are interested in other aspects that for you are different. So I remember one, I was talking with one uh, of, uh, one person of uh, VentureKeek, which is uh, one of the these big foundations in, uh, in Switzerland. And he asked me something, uh, can you estimate, I don't know anymore, uh, the number of uh, breast radiologists in Europe. Right. And I was like, um, I was thinking and thinking, and they said, ah, I hate scientists. Every time you ask a number, it's like you're drawing their blood. <laughs> and it was really like that. I mean, at the beginning, I mean, it's not important to be precise wow. the second digit uh, of, after the comma. You, you need to give an order of magnitude, which is reasonable. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> now I understand what, what you meant. Okay, got it. <laughs> Just give us a number, more or less. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, <laughs> you need to kill the scientists in you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> got it. That, that's that's amazing. What has been the the size of the of the round? I know that this is public, so you you can disclose, right? Yes, we we had over four million. Okay, well done, cool. And uh, and the time is flying, and uh, I still wanted to to go through <laughs> a deep uh, more a deep dive of of how has been your evolution of of the career and transition but i think that we will let that for another <laughs> uh episode and i'm sure that the next chapters will be exciting as well so you, there's a good excuse for having you back on on the show a little bit later on the b-rays uh journey so let's go into the last sure. segment of the show where i ask you a, a quick question uh and we, and you give me a, a brief answer and we go uh step by step so let's start with the free self-reflective uh questions uh, the first one if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee or a tea with christina uh, at the end of 2019 what advice would you offer to your younger self okay <laughs> It's good. <laughs> um, okay, once I read a sentence, I don't know for from who, whom it was, uh, and uh, it said something like, uh, "Business opportunities are like buses; there is always the next one to come." So uh, I would tell to Christina uh, of that time, uh, there is no reason to spend a sleepless night. <laughs> uh, there is always a day after the night, and. Uh, um, uh, one needs to to be aware that there is a lot of work related to the success of a of a startup. Uh, there is a lot that you can control, and you should learn and you should do it. But there is also a component which is related to just luck or not luck or bad luck, and this is a part of the job that you need to accept. is a part of the game. Love it. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Uh, professionally for, for B-Race? Yeah, for B-Race, yes. Um, I'm super, super happy uh, about the, the team and the network we have. 
we have a really uh, fantastic network of people, team of people. Of course, the product, which is innovative in many aspects. But I think for me personally, the, the part that gives me a lot of satisfaction is to see in the eyes of the people that work with us that they like what they are doing. It's really amazing. I love it. Great. And worst advice ever received? Um, many. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I me just know. a number. <laughs> I don't know. I, I believe it. When I think it's a, it's a nonsense, I... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't remember <laughs> anymore. That's a good point. And another resource is your favorite book, business or non-business. This is much more about getting to know you. Yeah. Oh, there are so many good books. Um, yeah, I, I just read in mind. the last, yeah. uh, the last good I read is uh, again, 1984. Uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's not a few good uh, book, but I, I, from time to time, I always take it back and, and read it. Um, I, I read a lot, I have to say, it's, uh, uh, but this is one of the... What is the book about for, for the ones who are um, listening to... To, to, to be curious to go yes uh, yes it's the book where the concept of the big brother is presented for the first ah, time okay. so it's called uh, i think the the original uh, title that the author that uh, orwell uh, considered was yeah. uh, the last man so basically it tells the story okay. of this person in a dictatorship that's the, Thinks is in all its own and uh, challenges uh, the the structures of the, this dictatorship. It's really worth reading that. Awesome. Favorite movie or series, as you wish. Um, the last time I I, I had a, a weekend watching Wednesday with my daughter. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And uh, we, we need to have fun. And favorite podcast, excluding this one. Wow, it's only yours. <laughs> <laughs> you only have time for hours, right? <laughs> I, I listen but a lot of um, uh, reading books when we travel, for example, with okay. the car. And there was a, one horror reading books uh, that it was really cool. And it's called 1983 this time, not to be confused with the 84 of okay. the book. I must say that the, the, the numbers thing, I must tell you, never. Christina, I was not being strict about it, that the books <laughs> needed to be numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Christina, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Congrats for what you have been done, uh, what you've been doing so far. And uh, best of luck for, for the next uh, chapters. And you are always welcome to, to come back to the show. Thank you, Mike. And congratulations to your job. And uh, I'm super happy Thank and you. honored about this invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep here helping you as you scale your business. See you soon and keep scaling.